Hey there, how are you doing? I am Kristen and James, but you can call me CJ, and you're listening to the Shine the Five Method with CJ. I'm your host. In this podcast, I will be having authentic conversations with amazing women who have found their shine and are walking in their purpose. Because you want to know why? They know the importance of working on their mindset. Their stories are unique and relatable, sometimes at the same time, because we are all on this journey called life. I want these conversations to serve as encouragement to each and every one of you who feels stuck, that it's time to get your head in the game and find your shine. The world is waiting. Let's get into it. Joining me today is Rena Parekh, and she is a pregnancy and postpartum fitness coach. And we're going to be having a really good conversation about using your brand to overcome cultural biases. But before we get into the conversation, I want to give Rena a moment to shine. And you tell us more about yourself, anything you want us to know. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Rena. You take it Thanks. Away. Thanks for having me. <laughs> so hi, uh, my name is Rena, and I am based out of Toronto. I'm a mom of two little ones and I am a pre and postpartum fitness coach and specialist. And so that is the niche that I love, love working with. I love supporting parents who are going through these major life transitions and helping them regain their strength, whatever that looks like for them. And I talk a lot about that as well as representation and diversity and body neutral fitness on my Instagram page. That's pretty much where I live. Right, right. Body neutral fitness. Let's talk a little bit more about that. What does that mean? Sure. So, you know, over the years, uh, being a fitness professional, being somebody who has been in the fitness world, even before that, we are bombarded with messaging that is very one-sided. Mm. You know, weight loss, get toned, get fit, get into shape. And when we think about being fit and in shape and healthy, the image that often pops up in our minds is somebody who is quite lean, who might have some muscle showing, which would, you know, is often marketed as toned. Mm. Um, and it's often a very able-bodied, cisgendered, usually smaller white woman. Mm-hmm. And this is the ideal that we strive to be because we're conditioned by marketing and messaging society to reach. However, it's not a realistic goal for Mm, the majority of the population. And we know that strength, health comes in many different shapes and sizes, and it's dependent on so many factors. And one thing that's helped me heal my, you know, my body image challenges over the years has becoming more body neutral. And I find that that's what I love sharing with my clients and it resonates with them as well. And being body neutral means that you can look in the mirror and you don't have to love what you see. If you criticize something, you can acknowledge the criticism or something that you don't like, but then we let that thought go. Right. And it is about accepting the way we are today while working towards any goals that we might have in the future. Right, right. And would you say, as you talk about um, accepting our bodies as women, that in in and of itself is difficult? And if there's the, what society has, the pressure that we have from society. So, but for you to get to where you are and to have this message of, of, um, 
body neutral and body acceptance. What was your your journey like to that? Knowing, of course, because we're talking today about the cultural biases. So your experience to be to get to the point where you can share this message now with your clients and with everyone, really. Well, it took years. <laughs> you know, I think it's a lifelong journey. I don't think it's a destination that we arrive at. And what I noticed a few years ago was that my entire social media feed was people who looked exactly the same. They mm. were all white. They mm. were all very fit and right. trim and lean and muscular. And they all shared a very similar message, which is what we hear in the fitness world. You know, eat this, work out this way, and you'll get to this. Just keep working harder, right? Yeah. And that messaging... I think it's starting to shift. It's becoming a little bit tiresome and bored. <laughs> right, yeah. um, if I'm going to be completely honest, I'm, I'm tired of seeing it. And so I started diversifying my feed. I said, why is this? Ha- like, why is my feed looking like this? No wonder I felt so disconnected with my own body. I felt disconnected with the way that I was doing fitness and with the way that I was coaching clients. Okay. And so when I started following much more diverse people, not just fitness people or health professionals, but, uh, you know, influencers, content creators from various industries who even had, you know, um, uh, an interest in health and fitness. It was amazing to see the range of capability that exists in this world and seeing different bodies doing these amazing things. And it starts to help you unpack those biases that live within yourself because we all yeah. carry those biases. So for me, there was a lot of unlearning happening there and also learning from fat activists and body liberation activists and educators. And I just kept going with that. And I, you know, from there, I I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about my my own biases. I learned a lot about a lot of the messaging that I grew up hearing and how that's impacted my own body image as well as, you know, my sister's. And where, where it was at one point and where I'd like to be with, with it and where I'd like to be is at peace with it. Right. Right. And did you get, I'm sure you have, um, any kind of, how do I put it? Any resistance to you wanting to shift your, your messaging and just how you show up for yourself and for people who look and feel like you, was any kind of pushback you felt? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, there's always going to be a population of, of people within the fitness industry who are diehard fans of the way that they've always known fitness to be, what they want it to look like and how they want to coach people through it. And that is rooted in diet culture. And I've removed myself as much as I can from diet culture. This is a very, very hard thing to do and because it shows up in so many areas of our life. And what I learned in my journey is that diet culture is closely tied to patriarchy. It is closely tied to white supremacy when we look at the roots of anti-fatness. And for me, the way that I want to run my business and the way that, you know, the values that I do hold... I wanted to show up in a way that didn't dismiss people's experiences, that gave a giant middle finger to the patriarchy and to white supremacy and said, I'm no longer going to be complicit in this. 
Yeah. Yeah. And in order for me to do that, I had to shift my messaging. I had to shift the way that I do business. And when, anytime you make a change like that, there will always be people who don't agree with you yep. and they will push back. And, you know, truth be told, I lost, uh, I, I lost relationships okay. uh, along the way with people in the industry. And at first I was a bit devastated by it. Uh, but you know, it's one of those things that's like, am I here to impress them or am I here to leave my own mark in right. the industry? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that you touched on it. And I, I guess it would be difficult to really talk about fitness and health without talking about diet culture, mm-hmm. uh, because it's, I've never really believed in diets and I've always I've always seen how detrimental it can be to those around me who do feel like they have to diet and they have to follow some a certain type of protocol to look a certain way. Maybe the anti-conformist in me that I I have just <laughs> never I'm just like I I don't even own a scale. As a few years ago, I did have one, and then the scale broke, and I'm like, man, I guess I'm just not going to know how much I even weigh. Like I'd prefer to, to just look in the mirror and be like, you know what? I really am happy with how I look and feel and how I feel about my body. And it's, it has taken a very, very long time to, to get there. Of course. Um, do you find with, with your, although you speak to, uh, pregnancy and postpartum, do you get others, other types of people who will reach out to you and want your support? Yes. <laughs> yes, I do. And, you know, I'm happy to serve different, you know, anyone who hasn't had a child, mm-hmm. um, namely women, mm-hmm. you know, because pelvic health is something that I talk a lot about. And it is something that it, it is a consideration when you're training uh, pregnant and postpartum people. But pelvic health challenges can impact anyone with a pelvic floor. Yeah. You know, athletes yeah. especially. And so if they are looking for, you know, support in that way with programming that can help them get stronger while being mindful of their pelvic floor and learning how to manage those symptoms, then I am more than happy to help them. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll touch on, of course, my favorite topic, the mm-hmm. mindset piece. So when you first start working with someone and they may come to you as, yes, a pregnancy, postpartum fitness coach, um, you know that your your messaging or what you are trying to pull away from the typical, the, the, the cultural uh, biases that would be out there. So for the mindset piece, do you find when you start working with someone, you got to be like, okay, we got, these are the things we need to work on first before we even start to work on your fitness. Yes and no. Okay. But I don't tell them that. <laughs> okay, that's why. Okay, that was my question. Right. Lay don't, on me. <laughs> I won't tell them that. As a coach, you know, I will ask certain questions, but there are ways to learn about somebody and how they're really doing. Mental health is a big, big factor for postpartum clients. <laughs> there are better ways to learn about how they're really doing as opposed to just being like, well, how's your mental health today? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah. Um, sometimes, sometimes qu- direct questions are great. And other times it's not 
the right time and place to ask those questions. And so the way that we start is, especially for somebody who is in the fourth trimester or just starting out after giving birth, it doesn't matter if it's been six months or six years, they're getting back into it. We're going to start in the same place. We're going to start with the basics. And those basics, what they help you do is they help to calm your nervous system through really intentional breath work. And that helps to connect your mind and your body. Now, for a lot of us, we end up being very disconnected with our bodies in postpartum. We don't want to think about anything below the belly button. We don't want to know what it looks like. We ignore what's happening down there. You know, we we cover up with, you know, with clothes that may not you know, we may not necessarily feel great in, but they're, they're covering ourselves up, you know, we're, we're hiding in a way. And so a, a great place for anyone to start is really to connect with your body and really listen and understand what you're feeling, where you're feeling it and acknowledging that. And so through those very first few weeks of really intentional breath work and intentional movement and gentle movement and mobility, we can start to release tension calm the nervous system, bring ourselves back inside our bodies, Mm. so to speak, so that we can then move forward into the activities that we love to do. And I, and I do that through strength training because that will support you if you are a lifter or a runner or somebody who wants to go do classes again. And so that's really where, that's really where I start with people. Yeah. And what would you say are your, for yourself, your personal, are there any mindfulness type exercises that you take yourself through to help you to always be able to show up, show up authentically for, for your clients, any mantras or anything that you kind of, are you part of your daily practice? No. Really? (laughs) Having a coffee by myself now that my kids okay. are back in school. <laughs> Ooh, okay. Um, you know, there are times when I will listen to a guided meditation before I go to bed. And uh, that usually puts me to sleep, but it really calms me down. It gets me out of my head, which is really nice. For me, movement is a form of meditation, if you will. Okay. It really provides me with space and time for mental clarity to really get back, get myself back into my body and reconnect with myself. And that's really where I spend the time when I have it is, is through heavy lifting. Yeah. Yeah. And you know what? I, I love that you said that because I feel like a lot of times when we hear about mindfulness, so we hear about meditation, you know, we're thinking of sitting in a, a room with mm-hmm. candles or incense, cross-legged, you know, and we're chanting. But really, it, it's, it is, for mindfulness, it is whatever can bring you peace and yes. whatever can bring you back and whatever can keep you present. So whatever that looks like for the person, for you, it is, it is you know, the strength training, it is the movement, that you're still being very mindful and is you're still connecting with your body which yes. I think is, is the most important thing. So in when you are, I'm trying to picture you working with a client and she is uh, postpartum. She has the fourth trimester, as I, I noticed that you said, um, because I don't have kids. So I'm, I'm picking up on all these, these little things. So she's in the fourth trimester. She is working now on feeling fit, whatever that may look like for her. 
but does does she ever come to you and with a picture of the typical toned white woman and say who was brilliant and okay can we also we'll touch on this afterwards that whole snapback culture that i hear people talk about Mm -hmm. but first (laughs) let let me come back to my first question does she ever come to you and say i want to look like this Absolutely. Okay. And how do you take her through like, girl, what are you doing? (laughs) Well, I try not to say that. (laughs) Okay, fine. (laughs) You know, the the question I ask is why? Okay. You know, why, why do you want to, why do you want to look like that? And it always comes back to bounce back culture. Yes. That's going to lead right into your next question about yes. bounce back culture. Yes, please. Let's touch on that. Because I see it, of course, on Instagram all the time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a woman just had a baby and maybe it'll be three weeks or a month or two months later. And she's looking fit. She's looking fantastic. And they're like, oh, my God, snap back. And I'm, and I'm for me, thinking, although, yes, I, I don't have um, human children. <laughs> I do have a dog child. But I feel like it's the journey to motherhood and the 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 what your body has to go through to to bear a child that it's almost like hmm your body is now this trophy. It's like, I did this thing and I gave birth to an entire human. So where is, where are we coming from with this whole snapback culture? And how do we even start to tell women to stop doing that to themselves? Snapback culture is tied to diet culture. Mm, of so course. Once yeah. again, mm. the patriarchy diet culture, society, media, we all celebrate pregnancy. Right. We celebrate motherhood, the role that a mother should be playing. What we don't celebrate is the aftermath. The aftermath is messy. It is uncomfortable. It is painful. It is grueling. It's gross sometimes. Mm. And it can last weeks. It can last months. And you know, I think until really social media blew up, nobody was talking about the reality of the fourth trimester. Okay. And how that would impact you, how that would impact your mental health, your physical health. And look, I'm not going to tell anybody what they can and can't do with their body. Of course. Right? Of that's, course part yeah. of, that's part of my coaching philosophy is body autonomy. If you want to lose weight, that's great. You know, let's, let's uncover why let's unpack this a little bit and start to really understand what is the driving factor behind you wanting to lose weight. Is it so that you will feel more attractive to your partner? Is it because your family is making comments about your body? Is it because you want to show up on social media the way that X, Y, and Z influencer has shown up? And we really have to look at the why behind that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cause I just, every time I see, I just, I feel like as a woman again, and it's, yes, you're right. Is it's the diet culture piece as a woman, whenever I see that, I'm like, why are we, I mean, it's great. She, she looks fantastic. Good for her. She probably worked out very diligently even before that. And I'm sure that contributes somehow to the, the postpartum piece as well, but it's just, 
it's almost like the snapback piece isn't s- celebrated as much as like, <laughs> oh my God, you gave birth. <laughs> and you went yeah. through this whole thing. So I just, I just knew that that was one of the things that I wanted to be able to touch on with you because there is so much pressure yeah, on women. So much already. And then social media really does not help with how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about our bodies. And it's, to me, it's a daily exercise in whenever I do, and I think I've, right, I've gotten my feet down to a, the, uh, the part where I, I'm not seeing that being shoved down my throat and the things that I don't want to see aren't constantly mm. there. Um, when you think about how you show up and the message that you you have for women of color, right? Um, what would you say is kind of the hardest thing to convey to say we are all different and our bodies have different needs and I have this message to convey it because I see it all the time and you're, you're in, I'm always left very, very inspired by what you do share on, on social media, what you do share on Instagram. But when you are using your platform and you're saying, hey, here I am. I am an Indian woman. And I I have these certain beliefs. So I was raised with certain beliefs or certain cultural biases that I now have to overcome. Maybe your family might not be too excited for you to, to use your voice and your brand in a certain way. We can touch on that as well. But is there ever anything that you feel like... <gasps> I'm about to say this thing or about to do this thing and uh, people aren't going to like it, but, <laughs> but I'm going to do it. <laughs> That's the Libra in us. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> look at me. Look at me. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've been really lucky that my family has been really supportive okay. of my platform. And I'm surprised sometimes because I'll get messages from my cousins who I don't speak to very often. They don't live near me. And they'll be like, oh, I saw your Instagram. It's been so great lately. Thanks so much for sharing that. And I think as, you know, as this new generation, we are all children of immigrants. Mm. We were born and raised here. And it's refreshing for us to start breaking some of those old thought cycles and beliefs because we live in North America. We live in diverse cities and we are learning so much every single day. And it's about time we started to unpack some of this stuff, right? And of course, there's times when I I write something and then I'll take a deep breath and I'll say, okay, well, it's going to go up. And (laughs) it often leaves me feeling very tired. It leaves me feeling vulnerable. So what I'll do is sometimes I will just step away from social media for a given time. Okay. Um, other times I'll ask some of my friends, be like, oh my God, just go read what I wrote because is that okay? Or does it sound ridiculous or is it too much? And, you know, they'll always give me their feedback and it's quite supportive and positive, which I appreciate because it is coming from the heart. It is authentic to me. Mm-hmm. And I really feel like when we start sharing some of these thoughts and feelings that we have, especially as children of immigrants yeah. and, you know, a person of color, you know, our lived experiences are unique and they are stories that deserve to be heard. And when other people can read something and say, that resonates 
so much with me. Or I remember when that happened to me and they see somebody who has kind of come out on the other side or they they're starting to learn ways to come out of the other side or they're learning something new about themselves or their beliefs or, you know, how to maybe talk to their family members when they comment on their body or anything like that. You know, that's when the impact starts to happen, because I know for a lot of us who are first generation Canadians and, and Americans, we are we are. In between, we are caught in between our culture and heritage, which so many of us dismissed growing up, you know, because we wanted to be like everybody else. So we didn't really want to talk about the the cultural things that we did at home because we would get made fun of versus now we are parents and we realize the importance of these cultural traditions. We're trying to bring that back into our homes and starting to understand what, what does it really mean for us while living in this world where other cultures and traditions are, are celebrated sometimes even more for like Christmas, for example, you know, and foods are celebrated differently. So we're kind of that in between. So it's about striking that balance and finding really where you feel comfortable and, and getting your footing and taking it really one day at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And you, you're right. When you do share something that, you know, can, and it, a lot of times I feel like it can be in our heads. I, of course, there's always going to be some pushback, some resistance, but when we do use our, our platforms and I just, I say something like I shared something just the other day and I said, as a, no, as a black immigrant woman trying to be successful in uh, a system that doesn't support my success. And it's like, whoa, I don't you know what like I, as I'm saying these things, but I'm getting, again, getting a lot more comfortable with sharing that. But so I feel like a lot of times we are in our heads a lot about like, can I say this? And should I say this? And we do have to embrace that we have this platform and we do have a message to, to share and a message to, to convey to our followers and to the people that who knows who are being inspired by, by what we're doing and what we're saying on that. Absolutely. Note, yeah. So segue, what do you have coming up? I have a very exciting new program that I'm launching for okay. the fourth trimester. We've used that term quite often. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Is the first three months after birth, postpartum, and it is a gentle program that is self-guided to help you restore and regain strength in your core and pelvic floor. I love it. And of course, the uh, details will be in the show notes to anybody who wants to to find out more information about the program. Yes. I loved having this conversation with you today, but because I love having this conversation with you so much, I'm not letting you go that easy. I know we um, you touched on being a mental health advocate. And I always like to end off um, my episodes with asking the guest for a nugget. And so I wanted to ask Irina, do you have a nugget right now to share with our listeners? Yes. Mm -hmm. And I would say this is one of the biggest lessons I've learned in the last couple of years is know your values and your beliefs and stick with them. Align your messaging, the way you conduct your business the way that you show up online and in person and for your clients, once that's all aligned, things start to fall into place because now you're showing up as your whole self. Yeah. And there's no questioning your beliefs and your values. Those are yours. Yeah. And you'll find, and you'll find that people who 
align with those beliefs and values will will be the ones that are coming to you to work with you, to collaborate with you, to speak with you. Yeah. And it's true. You have to hold true to your values. You have to hold true to your beliefs if you want to show up authentically. And if you want to attract the right kind of client or partner collaboration. So I thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for you joining me today, Irina. This I knew would be a great conversation. Keep doing what you're doing. I am always, always, always cheering you on and rooting for you and rooting for your success. I'm very proud of you. Congrats again on everything you've done. I'm going to stop rambling. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you can keep going. I'm like the biggest shit in you rock queen. <laughs> but yes, but seriously, thank you so much for, for being here with me today. And I will see you very, very soon. Well, we've come to the end of the episode. And girl, can I just say that I hope that you enjoyed listening to this conversation as much as I enjoyed being a part of it. How inspired are you feeling right now? Be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss out on what we have coming up because these will just keep getting better and better. If you're a young woman ready to get out of that grind to five rut and find your shine to five purpose, connect with me on my website, kristenandjames.com. Take care until next time. And as I always say, have a sparkling day.